Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging brands to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Even as food and beverage brands are starting to look more closely at Gen Z shoppers to determine what they want and what makes them tick, many are still struggling to pinpoint how best to engage with millennials, who Goldman Sachs has dubbed the most attractive demographic in the history of America. Estimated at 86 million strong and growing faster than any older demographics, millennials continue to hold the spotlight for many brands, especially now that this group is firmly in their prime spending years and starting to have families of their own, which means they're also starting to influence future generations. To better understand what millennials want and how brands can meet these demands to fuel fast and also long-term growth, this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast features hard-won insights and lessons learned, as well as advice from serial entrepreneur Adnan Durrani, who is the current CEO and globally inspired food entree and plant-based protein snack brand Saffron Road, which recently was named one of the fastest-growing private companies in America by Inc. 5000 for the third time. Long before Durrani won accolades as the CEO of Saffron Road, he cut his teeth turning several niche products into mainstream brands, including as the founder of Vermont Pure Spring Water, a principal financial partner in Stonyfields Farms Yogurt, and a principal of Delicious Brands. Reflecting on his nearly three decades as a successful serial entrepreneur in the food and beverage business, Durrani jokes that he has foodie culture ingrained in his genetics. But the reality is, he was able to spot emerging trends far into the future before many others could by doing an intensive amount of research and having patience to slowly build a brand one retailer or one region at a time. One of the most important things is really doing your research, you know, really uh, studying the category and not going for what's hot or what's a trend today, but really looking out 10 years for what are the mega shifts going on in both the consumer environment, the demographics, as well as future concerns of consumers. And, and that's what I've kind of done. I mean, when I launched Vermont Pure uh, Bottled Water, nobody in the U.S. was doing water. Uh, I was told by a lot of senior executives, that, including the chairman of Coke, that it was a stupid idea, it would never work because Americans drink soda, not water, son, and that was many years ago. Uh, and obviously today we actually even drink more per capita bottle of water than Europe does. Uh, who would have thought that when we first started that business? But I looked at those trends in Europe. Similarly with yogurt, um, you know, we, I felt very strongly that we'd see something similar to what was happening in France and Belgium 20-plus uh, years ago, and, and certainly Stonyfield was a great uh, you know, journey in that respect, and Gary Hirschberg was my mentor, taught me a lot about how to grow that business. And, and similarly with delicious brands. I think in all of these cases, uh, we really did, I mean, I did an intensive amount of research and um, product knowledge about what could potentially work, but what was also more important was testing the idea out first in a, with a retailer or in a certain region in a very limited way and battle testing it and then making sure that I was getting the kind of traction that I could then scale nationally. So I'd say that, you know, do your research, then start small and, and work with a retailer or with a partner, you know, that whether it's e-commerce or whether it's bricks and mortar, that shares your value system and your passion for what you're doing and prove yourself, test prove yourself in that small region or with that retailer 
and then make sure that you have the operations and supply chain to scale if it turns out that the test was successful. Following his own advice, Durrani has taken a deep dive into the research about what millennials want and has uncovered several core values on which he says he believes they are currently interested or soon will be interested in basing their purchase decisions on. Among these, he sees potential for catering to an emerging halal foodie culture, which appeals to more than just devout Muslims to include millennials who share many of the values that are cornerstones of this faith, such as animal welfare and full transparency about how food is made and what's in it. Bloomberg came out last year and A.C. Nielsen and said that halal is a $20 billion category, growing at 15%. It's the first time A.C. Nielsen followed the category, which was a, which was a huge shift. Uh, and that's a faster growth rate than even organic. Uh, globally, it's about a $2 trillion sector. So everything we do is also halal certified. So that was a segment that that's kind of the beginnings of the company. It's certainly not the ending or the way we're growing now. But we felt there was a big void, especially in the uh, dietary choices of halal consumers in the U.S., uh, so we launched about nine and a half years ago, and we're still the only national halal brand. Um, and so, uh, for example, a lot of the products that we launched at Whole Foods as our partner was initially uh, with that foundation. And today, because so many millennial consumers are attracted to high-quality brands that have ethics and values behind their brand positioning, like Saffron Road is, uh, we're actually 85% of our consumers we, we estimate are not even necessarily halal-centric consumers, but consumers who really identify with and have an affinity for our halal values. What we found was that our brands off on road could neatly fit into what I call a food tribe. So, you know, we strongly feel that aspirational baby boomers and millennials, or what I call modern consumers, are identifying with food in terms of their food tribes, in terms of what ethical values appeal to them in the foods that they eat or that they uh, support, you know, with brands that they support, whether it's food or whether it's uh, other products, consumer products. And so that's where we fit. And we felt that because we were the first certified entree in the world that was certified humane, meaning that all of our farms are adhere to very strict standards around animal welfare, uh, we're also antibiotic-free. We were the first, actually, antibiotic-free on a national basis in Whole Foods when we first launched. Now there's several of them. Um, and also, uh, we don't use, you know, in a lot of all of our vegetarian products, uh, we don't, they're all non-GMO verified by the project, which is a very, you know, tough certification to get. So I think the fact that we, we don't just say these things as marketing insignias, we really adhere to them in terms of the values and passion of our team and the sourcing standards we go through and the grueling amount of supply chain uh, that we have to make sure to ensure the products meet those standards are the reason I think that we've been successful. To an extent, Durrani says Saffron Road's halal certification is a bit of a catch-all that also indicates to consumers a degree of authenticity, which reinforces the company's world cuisine positioning. For us, obviously, halal is uh, something that's a catch-all, but really the, the stronger brand positioning for us is what I what I like to say is our world cuisine positioning that we're an authentic world cuisine brand. I mean, when we launched Korean, we partnered you know with Annie Chung. When we launched our Indian products, we were very careful on the authenticity of each region of India that we sourced from. And same with Thailand, we have chefs we work with both in India and Thailand. So we were very careful that we don't want to do what a lot of the big CPGs were doing in Frozen, which you know they've definitely cleaned up their act and gotten a lot better at it. 
but they were basically just Americanizing uh, ethnic versions of food. That was not our calling. You know, our calling was a much higher calling, which is that we wanted to really appeal to the modern consumer who was viral. You know, because of the internet, they go online, they go on Facebook, they go on Pinterest and Instagram, and they they want the real deal. And that's what Zafron Road is. Zafron Road is the real deal when it comes to quality, premium positioning, and most of all, world cuisine authenticity. So, so that's how we positioned it. Saffron Road's halal certification also communicates to and reinforces for consumers the brand's dedication to animal welfare, which Durrani says is closely related to their growing concern about sustainability, both of which are key motivators for millennials. This idea of animal welfare is really huge, and it's really been underrepresented, and we're seeing it come up every now and then in various trade press and certainly in food shows, and, and a lot of chefs are not talking about it. I think it's a leading indicator of something in five or ten years that's going to be as big as the plant-based uh, movement. Uh, because I think people really want to know, like, what, where is the particular sourcing of the livestock coming from? What farms is it coming from? How are the animals treated? Like, ours are always 100% vegetarian-fed, no exceptions. We don't ever, ever, ever use antibiotics, which is a huge thing. Some brands will say they can occasionally use antibiotics, but we say no antibiotics ever, and we really adhere to that. Um, of course, no artificial ingredients. I mean, it's, it's very clean label, the products we put out. So I think that's going to be the ne- one of the next waves that we're going to start to see catch some momentum the next couple of years because of all the malfeasance in the meat industry. You know, whether it's the chicken industry or the beef industry, uh, you're seeing, you know, a lot of abuses there. And I think modern consumers really are willing to pay up for bands they feel connect with them, as well as ones that are conscious of the environment. You know, that I think that's so drive towards, we saw last week in New York, of course, the whole climate change summit, and just look at the crowds of millennials that were attending that, and the amount of, uh, you know, focus and passion they had for the, for those causes. So I think that's also something this younger generation is much more tied into than, say, our generation was. Uh, and I'm really proud to see that, because our brand obviously celebrates that and works with a lot of suppliers that adhere to fair trade, as well as to, you know, making sure that the footprint is minimal, as as is the case with our simmer sauces and our retort meals, I mean, our simmer sauces use one-third less carbon footprint than, say, glass because they're in you know, pouches which uh, you know, don't go into a landfill. So you know, these kinds of things are really important not only to consumers overall, obviously the Zafran Rhodes consumers. And you know, so that's one trend I do see coming. While animal welfare and environmental sustainability often are closely tied to the burgeoning plant-based movement, they're not exclusive to vegetarian vegan foods, according to Durrani, who predicts that the plant-based movement is about to hit a significant wall with millennials. A safer bet in the long term, he predicts, is a whole food approach that include high-quality animal products. I think the plant-based meat alternatives market has gotten a little bit carried away from itself. I think it's become a very exuberant market. It's on, on that and CBD are probably the two most talked about things in our industry right now. Uh, and I do think the plant-based movement, uh, the alternative meat plant-based movement, will continue to have very strong growth over the next five years. Uh, but I think it's got, I think there's going to be a second wave or second phase of it, uh, where people really start to question how processed are some of these plant-based alternatives. Uh, I mean, John Mackey at Whole Foods has talked a little bit about this. Um, and so have others, uh, like the CEO of Corn. I mean, there there's some really good products out there that are holistically plant-based, 
and there's others that are just highly processed, processed with protein isolates. And just like you had this exuberance around the Askins craze a while back or around soy protein a long time ago, like 15 years ago, and that was debunked, um, I think there's going to be a second wave of consumers who come forward and advocates who start to really question whether these products are healthy or not and which ones are truly the authentic ones. I, I think it's like our chef says, uh, John Umlauf, he says uh, the best plant-based protein is the grass-fed beef. So, uh, you know, the original grass-fed beef. Uh, I think one of the points that I'm trying to make around the plant-based movement is, if you know, a lot of it's really focused on meat-eaters who are becoming flexitarians or meat-eaters who want to eat vegetarian one day a week like we do, you know, a couple of days a week like Meatless Mondays, not necessarily on the vegan or vegetarian movement because a lot of vegetarians avoid those products, not only because they're highly processed, but they're not using, you know, the clean-label vegetarian uh, plant-based uh, ingredients. So I, I think the, the ones that will succeed are the ones like a Sweet Earth or some of these that are truly using, uh, you know, very healthy uh, plant ingredients, not just processed pea protein in the lab somewhere. Another area where Durrani sees significant potential in the demand for millennial shopper is in the frozen category, which has been experiencing a renaissance in recent years as new brands like Saffron Road enter the segment with offerings that are healthier, have cleaner labels, and are convenient. Durrani explains that when he entered the frozen category with Saffron Road nine and a half years ago, the landscape was bleak and also ripe for disruption. I'd never been in the frozen category before, so that was certainly a new uh, kind of area for me to delve in. And when we dived into it in 2010-11, it was in what I call a death spiral. <laughs> the frozen category was diving. I mean, Lean Cuisine lost $200 million in sales that year, and Healthy Choice, which is owned by ConAgra, was down about 30%. But we, what we thought, everybody was running away from frozen. But when we entered frozen, again, looking at five, ten years, we fundamentally felt that the research told us that it wasn't that frozen that there was a problem with the frozen category in entrees. The problem was there weren't any proper offerings that were clean label, high quality, or that really were positioned as as an ethical brand. Since helping to bring these qualities to the frozen aisle with Saffron Rose frozen entrees, Johnny says that the frozen category has started to recover with millennials flocking to the aisle. For the first time in six years since 2013, the frozen food business turned around and finally grow. It grew this last year. It's growing nicely this year. And what we're seeing is that millennials, especially older millennials, you know, ones that are coming of age, have gotten married, are buying homes, are looking to have children, um, they're actually, the, uh, the st- study that came out from AFFI said that 89% of their purchases for frozen entrees are for quick dinner solutions. And the, one of the top reasons they picked them is for convenience, and the second top reason they pick them, believe it or not, is they think they're healthier, they're better for you, and they don't spoil, unlike fresh or refrigerated items. So this is a huge shift in consumer behavior where frozen was never considered better for you. That's why it was in free fall five, seven, eight years ago, because companies just weren't offering healthy frozen foods. But today, uh, you know, with the modern consumer, with the pressure on convenience and time uh, that they have, that's become, you know, kind of where we've provided that solution for them. Even though the frozen segment is attracting more consumers now than in recent history, it still poses unique challenges to brands around on-shelf marketing, which Jirani says require a more thoughtful approach to package design. We really try to communicate properly on the packaging 
what the key elements of the brand are because you can imagine, you know, I like to say that it's not the 2,000 miles or 3,000 miles it takes for the potter to get to the store freezer that counts. It's the 20 inches of the consumer to look at it through the freezer door and pull the door open and put it in their cart. That's the emotive part of what we do. And so our packaging is very clear. The, the design brand funnel on it is quite sophisticated. And there we call out the elements of the brand. For example, if it's a protein item, we'll stress it's antibiotic-free. If it's beef, well, you know, we'll stress that it's grass-fed or lamb, grass-fed. Uh, so we'll, we did a lot of research on what are the call-outs millennial consumers and modern consumers are looking for, and our packaging shouts those off the top of the roof. You know, it really is very clear as to what it is. And then what we do with, uh, is we also uh, talk a lot about those uh, particular traits and certifications as well as our values on social media. So we're pretty digitally active, whether it's uh, on Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram. Um, you know, we, we're pretty active with that. And then also we have digital, we have a lot of digital outreach to bloggers and spokespeople uh, that we work with in communities. So we'll work in certain communities. For example, we'll work in the gluten-free community where we have a very strong presence because 90% of our frozen products are gluten-free certified. And the gluten-free community is extremely passionate about supporting Saffron Road. So we'll activate that community. We'll activate the halal community, which is about 6 million Americans um, that have no choices at all. We're the only national brand that they have a choice for. So you can imagine their passion and their emotional connection to our brand. And then also we work very closely with the natural organic community, especially the non-GMO verified uh, community in the project and getting the word out. And we've also done it in store with Whole Foods, with Kroger, which is one of our leading, if not our top retailer now, We've worked closely with their 8451 program, which is the old Dunhumby. Uh, so our marketing efforts tend to be uh, both opportunistic and specific to the communities and the tribes that are attracted to our brand. To Durrani's last point, many of these trends and values build on each other. And while they may hold extra appeal to millennials, they also resonate with older and younger shoppers, making them key themes for any successful marketing strategy. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.